All right, well, we uh, are starting a new series, and I decided to do a book that I haven't done for a while um, because I like this book, and I think it's a pretty appropriate book at the time. So we're doing the book of Esther, okay? Book of Esther is a great book, one of my favorites. Uh, really, it is full of plot twists and turns. It is full of history. It's full of connection to the rest of the Bible. It's a really fascinating book. And, of course, its characters are strong, one way or another. Either they're really evil or really good. Or So it's a fun book to go over and learn a lot from and see some perspective. And that's what we're trying to get out of this book is some perspective in what happens in Esther. All right? So we're going to start right out on the first verse. We want to get through the first chapter today. Uh, first and second verse we want to read as we introduce the very first characters. Please. Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, we'll call him. This is, of course, Ahasuerus, which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia, over 107 and 20 provinces. All right, Ahasuerus is the king, all right, he is the king, Ahasuerus, okay, we'll put a big Eros on there, okay, because it just rolls off your tongue when you say it a few times after a while. This is not his name, Ahasuerus, okay, Ahasuerus is like saying Caesar, not Caesar salad, but Caesar a king, uh, it is a particular title, right? So it means uh, like all father or high king, okay? High king or kind of all father, father of all. In other words, he's in charge of everybody and everything. And this guy's a pretty big deal in the world at his time. God talked originally about four kingdoms. The men would put together that would be the greatest kingdoms and the greatest societies that ever existed. And this is God's estimation of those were the greatest ones that ever were done by mankind. Now, God created something better than that. And it says even the very best that they put together is nothing compared to what God does. But... He says, if you're looking across the landscape of mankind, you have four kingdoms that are the big deals. Can you name them? Rome. Rome, that's a big one. Okay, that was a very famous one. And of course, many, many things come out of that. Um, we get all kinds of things out of these four societies. Anybody else? Greece. Okay, the Greeks. Now they get less... Famous to you guys, probably. Babylon. Babylon, that was the first, and what God says that was actually the best one. And there's one in the middle, which is the one we're learning about. Oh. <laughs> Persia, yes. So, Persia, and that's only half the story. Um, there's also a group called the Medes. 
okay? So the Medes and the Persians get together and they create a pretty big empire as far as the world knows it in that day. So there was 127 provinces. Essentially, and this is a very, very poor map, okay? But I'm, let's just go with it, all right? <laughs> um, there is an entire peninsula here that is the Middle East, okay? And then the Middle East kind of stretches up through here, and then Israel's here, and the big, this is the Mediterranean Sea, right? And then Africa kind of comes, and the, the Red Sea's in the middle here. Okay, Africa kind of comes down along here, right, and starts the coast there, and you've got Egypt in here, and you've got um, everything down to a point, which is Ethiopia. Okay, this is India way over here. So it's a big expanse of land, a great big expanse of land. And they go all the way up, kind of to this tip-top point, and across the tip-top point is Greece. Okay, and then of course, the boot here, which is Rome, right? And then this is Europe. Well, you really, Europe was a pretty small player in the world at the time. And this included Asia, parts of Asia, uh, and included Iraq and Iran, okay? Iran is Saudi Arabia and a bunch of other countries there. Syria, Afghanistan, uh, Yemen, into Africa, and all the way to India. So it's a, it's a spot you may not be super familiar with, but at the time it was the seat of power. Okay? And this man, Ahasuerus as we know him yet, okay, is the ruler of all these little provinces or states. There's 127 of them that make up his kingdom. But, of course, like our country in a way, if we have 50 states, right, we have governors over top of each of them. And so does he. He's got, we'll call them governors, okay? They've got some sort of title over their state or over their province, and they control what really goes on in them. But they've decided to get together and have one king. Well, this king is powerful, and he's very, very wealthy. All right? Well, how does he get his wealth? Taxes. Taxes. Hey, that's how all government gets their wealth, right? You take it. <laughs> that's easy. You just go and you get it. And so from all these 127 provinces, he has been taking and collecting taxes, how's another way they get wealth as a country? Stealing from other places. But how do you, how do you get to yeah. steal from other places? Attacking. You attack them. You kill them and you take it, right? Or you build more provinces out of it and then you tell them, send me taxes. Now that I own you, you send me taxes, right? That's kind of how that works. So as you expand your world, you get more opportunity to have more money and more power. And so that's what these big kingdom builders did. Every one of them did this, okay? Every one of the major kingdoms did this, took things from people or took over the territories and may have taken over the territories and taken things from people, okay? And they get their wealth by power, by the point of the sword, okay? Each one of these 
were known for big armies, right? The Roman soldier was how they took it over with the small, short sword, right? The only one who was probably the least aggressive at destroying and killing were the Greeks, okay? The Greeks took over just for the fact of, of kind of owning the world, okay? And they left behind more culture and language. And we'll talk about that in just a second of what was really going on, all right? But essentially, this king, Ahasuerus, he now has 127 provinces, all right? And understand this. The government of the Medes and the Persians is not a government that accepts God. They're, they're not about God. They are about power and money, okay? There are people within the kingdoms from different countries who know about God or who may have learned about God. And, of course, jammed along one little spot here, a little tiny country called Israel, and Israel was one they took over and grabbed people out and, and took people out, okay? People were stolen from Israel and that, uh, and that nation. They were stolen from Israel here. They were stolen from Israel kind of like all along. <laughs> That's all that ever happened to Israel is it just got taken over again and destroyed and taken over again and taken and, and kind of beat down. And almost every army went through and destroyed them in some way. Now the Romans kept intact Israel for a while until they decided to come and destroy the temple and do some other things, okay? Not even by, not even on purpose, and it got destroyed, okay? They did some things. So these countries come in and they take, all right? So this king, big powerful king, and he is going to do something. He's got a plan, and his plan, we're going to go and dig into it. Verse 3 and verse 4. In the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all his princes and his servants. The power of Persia and Medina, the nobles of the princes of the provinces, being for him. When he had pictures of his glorious kingdom and the honor of his excellent majesty, many days even at even and hundred. Verse 5, please. Sorry. And when these days were expired, the king made peace unto all the people that were present in Sushan, the place, the palace, both unto great and small, seven days in the court of the garden of the king's palace. Okay, so here's what he's doing. He's having a party for six months. Okay? He is inviting all of the nobles. So there's 127 provinces. So if everybody brings 10 people in their group from their state, what does that end up being? 1,270 people if they only bring 10. And of course, if you're a noble, you bring an entourage with you, right? To show your wealth, okay? 
So we'll say that there's only 10, or maybe 20 people per state that show up at the King's Big Party. Of course, everybody wants to go to the King's Big Party. And so for six months, they come and stay in the capital city with the king. And the king has made some amazing things. So he's got a couple thousand guests that he brings for six months. He feeds them every day. He clothes them, takes care of them, does what he needs to, and he creates an amazing, an amazing place for them to be. Now, on the last seven days of the six months, he puts together a feast like you've never seen. Right? Seven day long feast. So question comes in your mind, why is this guy doing this? Is he just showing them power? Is he wasting money? What's he doing? Six months is a long time to have a party, okay? Clearly he's trying to show or demonstrate something. What's he doing? Keep your mind out for this. So they have a seven-day-long garden party in which they feast and they gorge themselves, okay? And they drink all the king's best wine and all the best things, okay? So let's learn a little bit more about specifics for that. Verse number 6, 7, and 8, please. Where were white, green, and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marble, the beds were of gold and silver upon a pavement of red and blue and white and black marble. All the king's servants Uh, is that chapter 1? Chapter 1, verse, verse 7. amazing party, the final culmination of this sixth month uh, thing where we're showing all the wealth and showing all the things off. Um, we're going to give you your own uniquely built golden cup. Everybody's going to drink from a golden cup. Okay? How many own a golden cup here? Probably not a lot of you. Okay? <laughs> it's not plastic, real gold. <laughs> Okay, every one of them hand-carved, hand-created as a different, unique one. So there's thousands of these golden cups. And you may have the king's best wine, as much as you want. If you want to drink it, go ahead. We're not going to make you drink it, but you drink whatever you want, okay? And it says according to the law, they didn't have to drink it. It wasn't like a... Uh, that the king said, oh, I'm offended you won't drink my wine. He says, whatever you want, whatever they want, you give it to them. Now, does that sound a little shady, right? <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> you bring my, my governors in, and I'm the king, right? You bring my governors in, and whatever they want, you give it to them. We're going to live the high life. In fact, they shouldn't, they shouldn't 
live, just sleep or, or lay down in any old bed. You need a golden bed to lay down in or a silver bed. So everyone had their own silver beds and golden beds, couches. They had floors of different colored marbles. It says blue and red marble, okay? White and black marble, okay? Patterns and tiles like mosaics in the gardens and through the homes and the places where they stayed in the palace, okay? Thousands of guests hanging around just eating food for six months. And then finally, let's have a big feast at the end, not just the little stuff, okay? We're going to have a big one at the end. We're going to spend and spend and spend money. And you just have whatever you want, all right? Sound a little fishy, maybe. What's he looking for? Hmm. What's he looking for? Interesting. Uh, I've had lots of salesmen come to me. And salesmen oftentimes, when they want to build a relationship with you or, do, or want you to do something... They come and they bring donuts or they bring pizza or coffee to you. What can I bring you? Little, uh, what they, we call them tchotchkes. They're like pens or flashlights or sweatshirts if they really want something from you. Okay, they like, you know, bring you stuff that they are trying to win you over. I have had once or twice people... Well, more than once or twice, people offer that I go to dinner with them, okay? And I did have once where my boss said, you're coming to this thing, and we went out. I mean, they did sushi and steaks and all these crazy things, and I mean, they all drank like crazy, probably five rounds of drink during the meal. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and when you had dessert, they put dessert wine in front of you. I mean, it was like, I don't even drink. <laughs> so I didn't fit in very well to the crowd, but I've seen this, and the question is what's going on with this salesman? What's he want? Something that you got. Something I got. What do I got? Money. Money, right? He wants me to buy. Right? But now let's go back to the king. He's feeding their faces and treating them all really well. You have whatever you want, you know, get whatever you want on the menu. And you know, oh man, this guy must have a lot of something from me, right? When he says that. What's he want? What's the king want? What's his big goal when you have a kingdom like this? Make it bigger than the last guy, right? So right now, he does not own any of Greece. He would like to go there. Where do you think he's going to get his army from? All these people. 127 provinces to have one, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just happen to have armies and his money to fight. So why is he doing this? He's saying, look, I got all kinds of money to fight this war. You don't have to worry about it. Send me some of your troops and we'll do this. Well, he's spending money like you never saw just to try and impress people 
so they'll come and fight for him, and then he'll get halfway through the battle and say, we could use some money to win this battle, okay? It's clever. He wants to expand his kingdom, okay? And that's what, you know, if you're a dictator, that's what you do, right, I guess? So this guy is powerful, and he's trying to accomplish something. He's got a plan. Now, he's done this 127 times already, right? Seems to work pretty good for him, because he's got 127 provinces that came along with him. All right? So he is a good leader. He knows how to get what he wants out of people. All right? And so there he is. He's battling. He says, I want to go to war. So when he meets with all of these guys, this last big feast, of course, he's probably going to ask. Now that we've all gotten well acquainted with one another, you know, after all these weeks and weeks and weeks we've spent together, and you've now eaten at my table, now why don't you uh, help me out with my proposition? I'm going to be a good leader for you. I've already have been. I'm sure how I've treated you. For months, I've treated you this way. Okay? And I need to go up to Greece and take Greece. We need to do it. Long story short, he ends up going to Greece, and he loses, okay? <laughs> Which is not what you want to end it up as, but there's quite a bit of story until then, okay? They all end up trying to take Greece over. Uh, they lose their entire navy, okay? He goes a little bit crazy somewhere along the line later. Uh, and takes his belt or whip out and whips the sea after he's uh, lost all the ships. Uh, it's not the sea's fault, okay? <laughs> but out he goes. So this guy is looking for something, right? So let's see. He has created, and, and in this culture, only the men are together. They are not allowed to eat men and women together. That's not what they do in this culture, okay? In, in no place. And sometimes not even in the home. Okay. Did they, the men ate and then the women ate separately. Okay. That's not unusual in many, many, many cultures even today. Okay. A little different in our world. But that was how it was. So the women were not going to be outdone. And so let's read in verse number nine about the queen. Also, Vashti. Azuiris, yes. <laughs> Tell them, it'll roll off your tongue eventually here. So she invites all of the wives and all of the people that come to her feast. She's got a great big feast, too. Right? She puts on all the things, and there are really separate living quarters for the men and the women. Okay? Especially in big, big households. Totally separate living quarters. Alright? So there are homes and, and portions of the palace that are for the women and homes and portions of the palace that are for the men all right and they ate separately so there they are eating out there and the queen is doing that all right so let's go on and here's here's something to understand again again 
God is not in what happens here. I'm going to ask you some questions and assume as you're thinking from our uh, standpoint here, but I want you to know this is not a godly government. They're doing what they do without God. They don't really care about God at this point. All right, verse number 10 through 12. On the seventh day, in the heart of the king was Mary with wine. He commanded the human Pista Urbana, Pista Bacta Zithar Arbacus. A lot of names there. The seven chamberlains that served in the presence. Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus, the king. To bring Vashti, the queen, before the king with the crown royal, to shoot the people and the princess for beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come as the king's commandment by his children. Therefore was the king very wroth and was in their Alright, so... The king does not send a servant to go get the queen. As he's on his seventh day, the final day of feasting, they have never mixed along the whole thing, and he's thinking, man, I have a great kingdom here. Look at this. And then he's thinking, it's full of uh, beautiful gardens and beautiful home, and man, I got a beautiful wife. I should show her the people. All right? Let me just show her to people. So, he does not send one servant, not two, not three, but he sends seven servants to go ask the queen to come. The queen says, no. And that's it. They come back and say, she said she won't come. <laughs> right, and they duck aside and here's the thing we got it Ahasuerus should not have done this wasn't part of the etiquette of the day was not an accepted thing to bring the females amongst the males and mix them during dining was not happening. But he wanted to do it. And why did he want to do it? Pride, right? Pride. So was he bad for wanting to do it? <laughs> you can see maybe he might have a, you know, like, uh, is pride a bad thing? Okay. Can be. Maybe it went. Maybe it went a little far. All right. So the queen, Queen Vashti, she refuses. How about the queen? Was she right in refusing? She's a strong, independent woman. <laughs> okay, she's a strong, independent woman. So get down to this. Why did she refuse? We don't know exactly, okay? 
We don't know what her motive was. What are possible motives that she could have? Okay, that's a possibility. Could have been a pure motive. And if that was the case, she did right. How about a not so pure motive? Or, I'm not doing what he says, right? It, right? So, so, what motive would that be? Pride. Pride. <laughs> Isn't that ironic? Isn't that ironic? <laughs> right? Right? Pride, maybe, right? So, is it right? Is it wrong? Well, if her motive was pride, and if his motive was pride, which we don't really know exactly, either, okay? God knows it. If his motive was pride, and her motive was pride... They both didn't do right. Could she have gone to him and say, I'm here. Maybe you want to rethink this. Or send a message to him and say, I don't want to do this because it's an unacceptable thing. Or, I want to be for you and you only. Instead of just, no. Right? <laughs> right? So there's other ways to look at it. Maybe she's wrong. Maybe she's right. Either way, he's bad now. So I guess when you're the king and you're mad, you can do kind of what you want. Maybe. And he decides. He asked all of his closest uh, guys that give him counsel. And I will read the next few verses here. Um, you're going to meet a man named Memukin. Okay? And Memukin, he might have a problem. But the king also is probably going to listen to him. All right? So let's, let's think. We're going to read verse number 13. Then the king said to the wise men, which he knew... Uh, which knew the times, for so was the king's manner towards all that knew law and judgment. And the next unto him was Karshina and Shethar and Admatha and Tarshish and Miris and Marsima and Memukin, the seven princes of Persia and Media, which said, which saw the king's face and which sat the first king in the kingdom. Okay, so these are the top officials, the top governors, okay? And Mamukin is there, and they're sitting right around the king, and they saw what happened when the king got angry. They read it in his face. This guy's mad. Something's going on. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law, because she hath not performed the commandment of the king Ahasuerus by the chamberlains? And Mamukin, here he goes, Answered before the king and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, 
so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media say this day unto all the king's princes which have heard the deed of the queen, Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. If it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from before him, and let it be written amongst the laws of the Persians and the Medes, that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. And when the king's decree, which he shall make, shall be published throughout all the empire, for it is great, all the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. And the saying pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the words of Memucan. For he sent letters into all the king's provinces, into every province according to the writing thereof, and to every people after their language, and that every man should bear rule in his own house, that it should be published according to the language of every people. So Mamukin comes in, hey, this isn't just about you, king. This is about all of us here. You think maybe Mimukin might be married? How do you think his relationship was with his wife? Probably not good. Probably not very good. <laughs> I'm just guessing maybe he had little issues at home. And he's like, oh man, if I go home and she talks about the queen didn't do this and the queen didn't do that, I'm going to have to hear about this for the rest of my life. we got to stop this now. We're going to nip it in the bud. King, you've got to write a commandment, a law that says the queen is out. She's never going to come to see you ever again. Throw her out, and not only that, take away all of her inheritance, the part that she was going to get of the kingdom. She's gone. We'll fix her, okay? Never, ever. We banished her. Send her away. Make her live on some desert island somewhere so that our wives won't be trouble to us forever. And that's essentially what he said. But of course, the king is angry and drunk when he makes this law, right? Which is usually not a good plan, right? Let's not do this and come up with a law that's effective for the rest of, for the rest of eternity, okay? Because once the king of Persia wrote it, they're like, well, I will just have to stick forever. All right? You will find these kings made some decisions, and they weren't such good decisions oftentimes, and he will make several more as time goes on if he's not careful with things. This king has started off on a rough foot. He banishes Queen Vashti. She is never spoken of again, in his court, but you can bet every household in that kingdom talked about Queen Vashti for years to come. Alright? And there were probably lots of unhappy women and very unhappy men, okay? As those households had this split and this divide about what happened in the royal family. 
Now here's a thought. So why is this all happening? Why do we care about this party and this king? Regardless of whether Vashti did right or King Ahasuerus did right, really doesn't make a difference in the bigger scheme. Because the bigger scheme is this. God has been working on something else totally different. He just happens to be moving them to the places he needs to move them to. And over a little fight for one day, the queen gets banished and cast out forever. Which creates room for God's plan to take place. Whether that was wrong or not wrong, whether the motives were all bad, or some were good and some were bad, or whether it was just a case of a mistake, God used the human affairs that happened in this king's court that day to create a situation because he knew something else was brewing over here. He is creating a situation even though it seems like this king's in charge, right? He's, he's got all the power, he's got all the money, he's showing it off. And yet, with all the power and all the money, he still is not in control. God is in control. God's got the plan, God's putting this together, and we will begin to see how God weaves together a whole other plot through what seems to be happening on the world scene. Okay, God is going to use the situation time to come. All right, thank you very much. Book of Esther, have a good day.